Hello there. How are you? Thanks for joining. I'm excited to bring this episode to you. My guest today is a youth chess coach from Austin, Texas, who grew up in the same rural northwestern Pennsylvania town that I did, and who started sending me some really interesting quotes from philosophers about a year ago. And we maintained in contact, and I really wanted to get him on to talk about chess um, and just some of the intrinsical benefits uh, as it pertains to the exercise of the mind, problem solving, strategy, and a number of other really cool things. He's a fun guy. He's really smart, and I enjoy the conversation a ton. Um, give it up for my guest, Chad Ambrose. But before we do, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor for the podcast, Action. It is a humongous week for Action as they look to relaunch their brand, a whole new website, and some new products as well. Go to drinkaction.com, that's action with a K, and check out one of their three signature blends of Guatemalan-based coffee. It's artisan roasted in Austin, Texas, and then shipped directly to your doorstep. Fresh as can be, tasty as can be, and powerful. This stuff is amazing, guys. And if you use code word CURIOUS, you'll get 10% off and free shipping all of your orders. That's code word CURIOUS, and that's drink action, action with a K, dot com. Yeah, I'm glad glad to have glad to be on here. It's a real honor, actually, to I've been listening to some of your other conversations and definitely the bits you've been putting on Instagram. And man, you have just a lot of great insights coming through. So thanks. I, I just all the cool people that I have on that are that I get to share that stuff. So um, obviously, uh, my knowledge is so limited in in chess, but. Um, how long, I guess, to set this, the backstory for everything we're going to talk about, how long have you been playing chess and where did chess enter into your life and, you know, what, what got you started? Yeah, so it's, um, it really became uh, just most actually recently in my life, like in the past three years, it's become more uh, of a permanent fixture. But uh, I, re I, started, I think I learned in like fourth grade maybe just like vaguely like it one of our teachers for like a school activity I think we learned chess for a little bit and uh but I, we didn't really take it seriously there's like a one week pro you know it's I didn't, I didn't do the chess club growing up my parents didn't play at home or anything like that so I wasn't exposed to it in that way and then I really when I was in college I had a macbook and like procrastinating on stuff freshman sophomore year I would found myself a lot of times just wanting to play that chess computer on my game on the computer like I just it became fun to try to compete with that computer program and then I was like hmm this is actually kind of boring because like I would just change the skill level so that it was like a fair match and then so I started I think there was an actually an application it was like you remember the words with friends frenzy yeah. there was also a chess with friends at the same time so a few of my friends that I'd go out to the bars with, we all were just chatting and figured out we played chess. So I started to play a couple of those guys. And that's when I started to realize like, oh man, I like crushed a few of these guys really easily. And like, and they were like giving me kudos and stuff. And I was like, didn't really realize like, you know, 
how seriously I could take it or whatnot. But I started to play more and more online at that from that point on. But mm-hmm. you know, also trying to get through school, and uh, so as much as I could could prioritize it. But then after moving to Austin in the past few years and working at uh, I worked a sales job, and then I you know worked at, on site at Apple. And I was always able to sort of use chess as like a relief during my break periods during those jobs that were just like high stress. I could go play chess for 15 minutes, reset and go grind out the rest of my day with a new set of energy because I just sort of reset my brain on, on this new path, you know, by, by just taking a quick mental break. So I started to use chess as that in my life. And then I wanted to see if there was really a community that I could be part of in chess, started to look for a chess club and actually found coaching opportunity instead. So I was like, you know, really wasn't, didn't think of myself like capable of coaching. You know, I didn't think like, you know, it wasn't something that was, I didn't think I was really qualified for it actually. I was like, but I I was like, okay, I'll go to this interview. I'll go see what this, you know, what his program's about, how this, uh, my head coach, Coach Ed, kudos to the night school and the program across the country training us chess coaches to, you know, help youthful minds grasp the game but he explained me to me his curriculum and I was like oh okay this is actually natural this is what I'm trying to to get better at and but if I can do it alongside kids and help kids grow and grow a respect for the game and their skill set at the same time I found that it was like a really valuable thing so I started to just make sure that my job opportunities were flexible enough so that I could be available to coach and after school programs for the past three years now and uh, it's it just added a new level of uh, you know perspective in my life, really, to 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 see a younger generation and to understand how these kids are they they have passions and ideas and creativity that's just so cool. Mm-hmm. So that, that's you, sort of where I'm at with it now. Do you do you feel like the coaching aspect has kind of like ultra intensified your ability to learn? because you're looking at things in a different perspective very much so yeah because you have to you know when I'm just playing by myself it's like I can just look at it from my sort of experience but when you start to extend it to other people's you have to broaden out and when you broaden out your perspective and you you really have a different ability to learn in a different way you know you 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 look at the game differently when you try to explain it to to especially to a child yeah, it's that you have to really break it down, and you know you have to really understand what you're what you're talking about to be able to explain it to them at their level. Yeah, and you so. probably cover a lot of the things that you would otherwise just think like, okay, I already I already understand that, but it's so mm-hmm. important to still go over those simple aspects of it. Yeah, that's and that's the beauty of chess is like it it really all come it can come down to just one move in a game that really shifts the whole everything for you. So you can you know so kids can have a really strong ideas through the beginning they they recognize the patterns and chess is all about recognizing the different patterns of uh the way that the pieces are arranged on the board that those based on how they the pieces working together or the weaknesses that you've exposed depending on how you play uh that's what you recognize and you attack that and it uh but it, your creativity can really unleash when you have uh, like the opportunity to play a lot. And so that's like 
the hands-on experience that youthful players get is really valuable that I didn't really get when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like an added emphasis for me is like, I didn't have this growing up. So I see now like how I want to make sure like, you know, I want the chess players in the community to feel like this is a normal thing to do. It's not just for, you know, the nerdy kids to do after school, pro, you know, once, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's for everybody's brain to really, you can use chess or a different activity to, to exercise your mind. Yeah. Sudoku puzzles or so people like to train with the Rubik's cube or, or however you want to do it. But these logic puzzles is really what chess comes down to. Yeah. And pattern recognition. So can you explain to me how, like, I have no idea how this works, right? Like how, how are you ranked? Like, how does a, how, how are you, I don't, I don't know. Is it a ranking in chess or like what level so that like those who are listening, who do understand chess and those who don't can kind of understand your proficiency. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so my, uh, over the board rating that my, from any of like, I played in a few tournaments here in Austin, <laughs> not many. I was hoping to play in more this summer, but unfortunately, a lot of those were canceled for obvious reasons. You can't meet up face to face right now. But, um, but so in the past two years, I've had a I maintained a rating of like in the fourteen hundred range, but I haven't played a lot of games, so I think it's still technically a provisional rating. So the way it works is you play like your first twenty five or fifty sanctioned games that are in tournaments or you know ranked club play. Uh, that are you know timed games usually and you, you're keeping notation for most of the game and it's you know there's a winner at the end of the tournament and there's a tournament director keeping score uh i think you like 1400 puts you sort of like in like the upper intermediate you're like you're on the edge of advanced like 1600 you're kind of like an advanced player 1800 you're starting to approach mastered or titled positions if you're winning a lot of tournaments and you're in the right community and then 2000 and above that's pretty much all masters or uh, if you're online just really strong online players that have never taken it seriously enough to go get those titled matches and play in those strict tournaments and then you you have your magnus carlson's and your super gms that are like the 2600s to 3000s and then computers are above there so i over the board, I, I feel like I'm confidently in the 14 to 1600 range. And if I coached and trained specifically, who knows, you know, I'm, I didn't start early enough in my life to really take that master track. Yeah. But at the youth level, you're ta- we're talking about when we're coaching K through five, uh, we're talking like th- they're, we're going to go and say on this same scale, their ratings are 300 to a thousand. And some of the best fifth and sixth graders might be able to get up into that. 12 to 1400 range if they have good coaching and in the right support system going up so it's sort of you know you just have to have these if you create the arena for these kids to find out if it's a passion of theirs or not that's how you can find out if your child's gonna grow up because you you don't get that in the household you don't get the level of competition and the variety of play uh and then sorry the sharing the sharing of information that you like if you're just playing by yourself I'm sure you start to understand patterns and recognize things but the benefit to be able to talk and and collaborate with other people and share ideas is just oh I can't like it probably opens a door which then opens up so many additional possibilities that you'll find just on your own 
exactly yeah that's exactly it you know and, and you can get stuck in ruts when you're playing at the rut if you just keep playing the same players over and over again you come up you know you so you want to broaden your game the more you broaden your game i think the better the more creative you become and, that, and that's what i really like to use chess as is a creative outlet mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a way to you know you can track your progress over time by that skill level, you know, and, and if you're having struggles at a certain skill level, you can analyze where your mistakes are, which is a beauty of it. Especially if you, if you do play online, I mean, it's all your games are tracked. You can get the notation and you can go back and have a computer go through it with you or work with a friend or a coach, depending on how serious you take it. Mm-hmm. And, but at the youth level, we just sort of try to let them play their ideas out and then give them an opportunity to play an occasional serious game against the coach. And when I, and then we, when we play that game against each other, I might at a few times during the game, depending on their skill level, how I'm reading the game against them, I'll, I might say, okay, let's, let's analyze this position again. And I'm going to let you take that move back because I want you to see you had a really good setup, but you made the mistake. And then we can sort of, start to build from there and then you kids get these concrete ideas and you can just so it's recognizing the good ideas that they do let them build their own ideas though mm-hmm. creatively because there's so chess is infinite i mean there's you know there's good ways and there's right ways to do things and there's theoretical history of chess that is good to learn and we teach that in our weekly lessons through our curriculum but then after that you go out and you you just try to apply those skills in the game and through time you perfect your craft and you can track your best games and you find like, Oh man, I mean, I definitely want to save that game because it felt really good. And you'll look back and you maybe have a computer look at it. You'd be like, yeah, that was, you know, I only made two mistakes in that game and they were really vague mistakes like, you know, and, and things like that. So, so they they do have because when you were talking about that, I was curious if there's like computer software where you can take your games and feed it into something and allow it to look at it and say, "Hey, you actually should have made this move as opposed to this move." Yeah, absolutely. So depending on where you play online, I mean, there's a lot of places to play, but I use just uh, there's a free website, leechess.org, lichess.org. <clears throat> And that's that site is really there's a lot of tournaments going on all the time where but you can set up a free profile and then you can import games on there and then you can also use just chess.com is pretty popular and you can pretty much get a, a live game going on anytime on chess.com. They also have a really good mobile app, so I use chess.com a little bit more often just because I can have it on my phone and mm-hmm. it's easier to be on all the time. But should probably actually limit myself but it's it's impossible <laughs> well yeah. chess addiction is a whole nother thing <laughs> but no, I, I bet. <laughs> um but yeah lee chess and chess.com both have a certain number of free analysis games per day and then if you pay for your membership or at certain tiers you can get more per day or unlimited and you can unlock certain extra lessons and et cetera, et cetera. But they have this really good chess community online if you seek it out and you want to be a part of it. There's also a lot of bad sportsmanship online, but like I just mute the chat feature. I don't really pay attention to it. And like every now and then you like, you know, it's just, you can tell like this guy is just, you know, you've beat him, but 
it's a timed game. So he's going to run you all the way down to the end of your clock. And it's like the respectable way is to resign, you know, but you know, if we were playing over the board against each other, it'd be like, obviously this game is over. You have no pieces left, but you're going to make me run you down and checkmate. It's fun. though. There's there's all aspects of it, but that's, you know, so, so what is the origin of, of chess? Where did that, where did it originate? Uh, I, I guess from, I think in India, there was a game that was kind of like pre-chess, Chatrajang or something. I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but, I've, and then, the, and they, that evolved. It was like, I think it was a multiplayer game. I think you, or there was, but then the, that sort of evolved into chess and with the certain, with the pieces that we have today over the like 1800s. And that, and then it sort of became solidified then when we started to track, keep track of games more often in the late 1800s or in early 1900s. And we started to build some uh, concrete knowledge through books and literature and newspaper writing. And that's when the knowledge really exploded after World War II. Uh, in the beginning of the computers, then the knowledge of chess really expanded because you could track games and databases and that really helped people share great games, especially the great, the top grandmasters. And that's how we programmed early computers up to the ones that beat uh, Gary Kasparov. He was, so Bobby Fischer was probably one of the greatest players yeah, in American that history. That, yeah, that's the name that I'm familiar with. He was, yeah, he, he, there was a movie that they made sort of about him and that's kind of popular too. I think it's called uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer. And uh, we actually, the kids love that movie. We usually incorporate part portions of that into our curriculum every semester to, as a added bonus. They love that and the Harry Potter chess scene. So it's a fun, popular one that is just great to, great references but there's so many uh references into chess across all cultures but that's but the bobby fisher is probably the most popular in american history i like reuben fine he was also a grandmaster around the same time or not a grandmaster uh, just a master title player didn't have the opportunity to really take it to that next level but he wrote a few books on chess and and he was an american master right at the end of world war ii um and but today, Magnus Carlsen's the great champion, and he is really his games. I don't think they're good to learn from. You know, it's like they're almost so advanced that the ideas wouldn't make sense to the beginner mind. So it's it's nice. Bobby Fischer plays in a way that's very learnable. So I think he's that. That's another reason his personality was is you know controversial in some ways. He was kind of an asshole, I guess, and just like thought real cocky, kind of thought mm-hmm. a lot of himself. But he. Uh, you know, he was a, a top-notch player. I mean, he was unbeatable. Uh, and he didn't have to play against computer. He was a little bit before they had computers that were ready to play against him. So it's hard mm-hmm. to say how he would have fared where Gary Kasparov played against the Deep Blue IBM computer mm-hmm. system and got beat or whatever. And that, and he has lots of interesting discussions online where he taught where Gary Kasparov goes in depth about those games they're fun to watch if you're a chess fan or just interested in ai because that's sort of like the beginning of it is like Mm -hmm. the ai mind versus human mind and a computer program versus a human is an interesting comparison 
because like strategy for chess is how how far in advance are you looking like when you see a pattern of developing on the border you see a move that's presented against you how f- are you looking three four five moves ahead or does that's, it really depend it's sort of like a filtering you know so like i so depending on what phase of the game i'm in and what time control i'm on that sort of those are those are the initial parameters that I'm that are going to define sort of how I'm looking, and that's and those are you can only figure those out with time and experience. So, so through time, I figured out you know if I'm playing at a there's different so we'll say there's standard time control, which is just sort of what you would play if you're sitting across from someone and you're playing a quick game at a coffee shop, and we each have maybe ten minutes on our clocks, so you have to play a pretty quick game, but you don't have to like really blitz out your moves. So if we're playing at that speed, I'm probably thinking you know, in the beginning moves, I'm thinking about just positional ideas and and how to get my pieces into positions where they're flexible or where I don't have weaknesses. So when you look at the, at the chessboard at the beginning of the game, it's like equilibrium essentially, but, but the nature of the chess game is we have to disrupt that equilibrium and white moves first. And you have to, from that point on conceptually think, Am I making a weakness or am I making a strength or am I sort of keeping an equilibrium? And, that, and that's sort of how I think about things for the first five or six moves, depending on how, unless my opponent plays in a way that I must react to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where there's a few things called scholars mating, which is like a beginner's tactic that we go through, which is sort of where the black pieces coordinate their queen and their bishop quickly on white's weakest square. Uh, so if white's not paying attention and defending their weakest square, which is like the king's left hand, you know, if you think about where, if the king's sitting on the board at uh, the king's on e1, he's weak right on his right hand with his, you know, so so it's it's aiming at these weak squares early on. Black can force white to react in a certain way, and vice versa, if depending on how white wants to play. So those are things that I look out for is for those weaknesses. And those you really only have to think about three or four moves ahead to those. And and if you defend those, then we're gonna the board's gonna trend back to an equilibrium after that. And and when we get back to that equilibrium, if no one makes a mistake or makes an obvious flaw in their position where they sort of open up their king to an attack that they shouldn't have done, then we're gonna transition into middle game theory and and from there, that's where things can get kind of tactical. You, there might be some sort of sacrifice, sacrifice positions that someone can start to come up with at that point. And that's where you have to look at multiple layers. And that's where, so if you're playing at a fast time control, you might want to avoid those kind of situations and play in more of a safe way where your opponent's attacks are going to have to be more obvious. Mm-hmm. That's where the different time controls come in and how you can train your mind at sort of different speeds depending on where your comfort zone is, whether you like to think deeply about these positions or whether you want to be able to pull off some sneaky combinations against your opponent who mm-hmm. maybe doesn't think deeply about it. So it's it's a psychological thing. It's like trying to crush your opponent's mind and ego and ideas by being creative over the board and and trying to identify weaknesses that they haven't recognized. Is, is there a commonality in background or strength of 
area in school, like someone who's really good at math or someone who's really good at, is there something that translates over or? Um, I think that uh, math, math is a good part of it. Math, you can think if you use math, if you're good at math, you just just your general arithmetic. It helps you think about the positions. I think it helps you evaluate positions because it's sort of arithmetic is uh, algorithmic thinking technically. So, and chess positions are algorithmic thinking. Also, you can brute force almost every position to a certain extent. And so, people who are really good at extrapolating out mathematical equations and doing mental math are probably also good at doing chess puzzles or figuring out uh you know a chess position or or building it out into a logical conclusion and so that's sort of what i and you, and you can work with computers on that and, and for same with math i mean you math you have a calculator mm-hmm. and chess you have a computer and the, the, those are perfect analogs to each other you know yeah for, that's for that's kind of where i was going things. thinking about it in terms of being able to to have a computer beat a human through a program would mean that it's ultimately just ones and zeros, which I mean, it's just like, it's just calculations. Yeah. It can make, yeah. A computer can make those, it it can define its parameters. So that's, that's where you can really also become super like, that's why like chess grandmasters, it's all about their environment too. Like when they're in these tournaments, they are super focused and and they, they put themselves in a state of, I mean, in, uh, like they're in the zone man like that that's that's where they're at and this happens for the online players who are really are really excellent you know they're in the zone and they can just sort of you have this greater level of intuition when you can put your full focus so it sort of speaks to the capability of the human mind if you can really focus it and only focus on those parameters and then think about a computer which is programmed so it it, it literally only can focus on those parameters. So that's mm-hmm. how much better it is, you know, but, but if the human mind could, if you can eliminate everything else, that's the only way you even get close to superhuman computer strength is just by complete super focus on one on that chessboard. Yeah. That's, when, that's wild. When you get into that top 100 of the world, are these people, do, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm thinking like, is there micro dosing type stuff going on or what type of things are these guys doing? I I don't know for certain, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I bet it benefits some, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I mean, Magnus Carlson, he has some good, cool interviews and he's an interesting guy for sure. But uh, I don't think he's a micro doser by any means. I'm just I, I'm thinking you know. like some of these games are really fast paced, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, incredibly, incredibly. So to to be able to process that information, I I I'm not I don't microdose, but I've heard that it kind of slows everything down and it gives you an ability to kind of analyze and assess information at a different pace than you can without doing it. I think so. I mean, I I haven't microdosed in the technical sense at all. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would per- that's from what I've understand from people who have good accounts of it. That's what it does. Not, yeah. not advocating computer. It, no computer I've, programmers definitely do. And, it, and it's, yeah, and it's sort of like a, a similar thought process is that where you have to, where you really break down every single step. And I mean, every single step. So that's like, 
mm-hmm. what I do for, you know, I don't need to microdose to break it down for kids, you know, like by any means, I, I just like to be a, a, an open, empty, calm environment for the kids to have a good time with. It's more, you know, really, it's just about creating the space for the kids to, to have a good time. You don't need to be great at chess to coach kids. You just need to create that space for them. Because yeah. the adult mind that you can pretty much, I bet, I bet if you went on chess.com and relearned the rules and spent four or five hours just tonight rereading the rules, you could go on there and win a few games against 800 rated players easily. Mm-hmm. And, and you could probably build an 800 level and you're already, so that's where kids are trying to build to. And so, yeah. you know, but, but I bet uh, anyone, any adult that cares for children, like librarians or kindergarten teachers, they could coach chess, you know, yeah. you could incorporate it into your curriculum or, and then I bet a lot of them do. And I, I'm not that closely in tune to that many school teachers, you know, but uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, it was a nice thing to do. And now it's all going to be virtual because schools are going virtual for the fall. So yeah. I'm excited about it, but it's going to be different. Uh, but it was really nice to, you know, have that routine and be, you know, you, you do build a relationship just coaching children and it's really all about the creating a space for them to explore the sport. And I'm sure it's so rewarding when you see kids who are able to, to start to comprehend and understand concepts and ideas, which then I'm sure help them grow in so many other areas of their life. It really does. Yeah. And it's, it, it can, in certain ways it can break a kid. Like, I don't mean that in like a bad way, but like sometimes a kid is having a bad day or something's wrong, you know, and, and, and they don't know how to get that out. And, and chess might just be that thing that just pushes them to be like, I hate everything. Everything's wrong. I can't win. Blah, 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 blah. This person's mad. I hate this. This person said this to me today. Blah, blah. And, but that you need kids, kids need to break through. And if, it, and, and so if chess does that, or if chess is the thing that calms them down either, or yeah. it's, it's, it's something that I've experienced in multiple classes is with kids just getting frustrated and, and or losing and, and, and getting comfortable with losing and taking yeah. those losses. Oh man. Get, they got kids have such big egos these days. And it's like, yeah. Chess, chess breaks that down and it's like it's you versus you really and, yep. and the opponent isn't that important yeah now you're you're hitting on the one of the biggest issues with society from my perspective people don't challenge themselves we've got such an easy world that we live in and i think just we're programmed to solve problems and we've kind of eliminated all of them through technology yeah. and a lot of people I don't think challenge themselves in any way, shape or form mentally, let alone physically. And chess has to be one of the best ways to flex those muscles in your brain and, and actually have to solve real problems. And the, the impact of that on real life, I'm Mm -hmm. sure is, I mean, yeah. And I don't think we have enough data yet because I just don't think it's that common across, you know, luckily in Austin, Texas, there's a few, there's enough uh, school districts and, and school systems that our parents are willing to invest in the after school programs and pay for their kids to have a little bit of extra coaching or whatever after school. So hopefully that's a trend that we can continue. Cause I think it, it builds community connection, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Austin seems to be a, a city that does things early 
does things before other cities. So but hopefully it's a trend that picks up across the country and not just with chess, with, with all kinds of whatever after school program people want to put their kids in, you know, but, but I, I mean, I know how awesome we had it with the BYBL and the, ba the basketball league growing up, like our winters would be awful if we didn't have that sport, you know, like so that, true. That, 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 you know, like that, 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 that was huge, kept us going. And, you know, so however we can extend that, it's good for the community. And, and it, you know, even it brings in people who don't have kids or who, you know, when their kids get older, you know, they still can be around. They still have a purpose to come sell hot dogs or whatever. Well, and there's not a whole lot of overhead, you know, like yeah, I'm, that too. I'm here in Pittsburgh. One of the big things is hockey. And I have a, a, a son. He's going to be one year old here in, in a little bit. And my wife and I were talking about hockey because of the, Penguins games have been on the last few days and um, she's like, are you going to let him play hockey? And I was like, of course. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, <laughs> it's going to be so expensive uh, well, yeah. to play hockey. And that can be a barrier for people. Like I know we didn't grow up in an area where hockey was really a sport that anybody played. And so I think that was a limit, but it was an expensive sport. Mm -hmm. You know, the travel, the equipment, all the things that you need to do chess i mean what you need a, a board to play physically and yeah. you really and you can now just everything being online it's it's limitless you can play with somebody on the other side of the world For sure yeah you can it's, you can you know if you do it online you can do that um educators can get great discounts from all of the chess federation all their websites have great discounts for educators who want to whoever wants to have it in their classroom mm -hmm. i mean you know, with for less than fifty dollars, you can probably get a, a setup for at least four to eight students, and and that and for after school programs, I mean, that's what a coach. I think a coach, you know, one one coach per ten students is really for sure. I mean, you, probably some coaches could probably do more than that if they're good with larger groups of kids, or depending on how the space is organized. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've had great experiences. I've most of my classes i've had a few where i'm the solo coach and a few where i have a partner coaching with me mm -hmm. um and man it's it's fun you know you, you get you get to have fun with the kids and, and so it's like intergenerational fun and that, yeah. that's the other thing with chess like old people grandfathers grandmothers aunts uncles can play their nieces nephews cousins brothers sisters i mean it it doesn't matter it, what you find out is the skill level all intermingles like the only time where there's any sort of difference is at the super super grand master level like mm -hmm. all the way up and down the ladder there's variety if you can seek it out so is there uh is there like a gambling aspect to chess at all i've i've heard of it i i don't know a, a lot about it i've heard of like millionaire chess yeah. where millionaires will sponsor like a chess player that's really strong and, and then they'll sort of gamble that way against each other mm -hmm. and have and then there's like um i'm sure a lot of clubs where you can gamble at it and and or play odds games and probably you have like a internal club ranking where that helps determine odds okay and probably play clock odds against someone who's better than you or like even fair games against someone who's evenly matched and but I don't know specifically, but you could definitely could set it up if you had the right club and the right, you know, house to cover all the, I don't know the legality of how that would work. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's, but, it's, it's got every aspect to 
Uh, yeah, I think Dan Bilzerian talked about it before. He plays chess. Okay. You know, you know he, he's big into it. I've yeah. seen him put it on his Instagram before where he's playing like a fuck. He puts like 10 stacks up against somebody to play chess. I'd take him on. <laughs> I'm at 10 stacks. <laughs> Get one of the other millionaires to, to back you and you can be their, their horse. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's the goal. No, it's 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 a game that I I didn't I didn't play a lot. I had a great grandfather that played checkers, and I was like always like, oh, my grandpa's really good at checkers. And then I remember being in middle school, and somebody was talking about chess and explaining the game of chess, and I remember I was just like melting in my inside, <laughs> thinking like, oh, this is tearing down everything special about checkers <laughs> that I've ever yeah, learned. They're 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 very different once you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I don't think I'm good at checkers. I don't remember. I played. I definitely played. And then we played like uh, Chinese checkers too. With like, it's like a pentagon shaped board or something. It's like six stars. Yeah. My grandma we always like on a that. metal tin. Yes. Yep. The little the dimples in it. Yeah. Exactly. The marbles. Yeah. That was always fun. Now, have you ever played Go? I have a Go set, and I have a, a couple friends that play Go. And I've played a few games against them and got just whooped, really? like just crushed. Like I was like, had no idea what I was doing really. Uh, but yeah. What are the similarities? Are there similarities between Go and chess or is it completely different? Uh, I mean, the pace, the pace is the same for the most part. You can sort of play a Go game at the same pace as a chess game. You, you put about the same amount of thought into a move, you know, that you need to. But I think Go can go like, a lot longer in number of moves like i think some of the there's more possibilities games. too correct yeah it, yeah there's more possibilities there's and you can pass and go you can't pass in chess you have there's obligation you don't you don't ever get to say oh I, I, you know you go again but in go there is situations where you can pass um but it, go is more like you you want to circle your opponent you want to like create you want to block off an area with your pieces. And then if you circle your opponent's pieces, you capture that area. So that's sort of like how you capture. And then whoever captures more than half the board wins. And so chess is sort of like the opposite where you want to like defend an area and then attack and trap your opponent into an area at the set simultaneously. So you want to, but you know, you have to defend your area and enough so that you can't get attacked and checkmated and then you know then if you if you're well defended then go ahead and start attacking you know if you can mm -hmm. so or calculate your attack so there's more attacking and strategic captures in chess where in go the ideas are almost much more positional like how can i outflank my opponent in this area because there's no it's all it's the pieces are just like it's like checkers or you know they're mm -hmm. like stone, they're called stones and go so you place a stone and your opponent places a stone and um and they also for training go they play on a smaller board sometimes also because the game to, to shorten the game they okay. can play that on a smaller board but yeah i have a board and i have a book on go but i haven't had a chance to dive in fully because i just get hooked on chess yeah but yeah it's it's become a passion of mine it's uh makes you know i i always find that i have games that i want to share but then i'm like 
you know, finding the right medium to share them is difficult because to make a chess book is one thing, but then, you know, with the, all the digital options of this yeah, today's age, it's like you should be able to make an ebook that's that's probably more even better than a physical book would be because chess is like a fluid game. You know, its pieces are moving, so you almost want it to be like a flip book. What about like a, a what about some sort of YouTube channel? That's well, that's something else that I, that I have uh, definitely am going to try to work on more detailed, at least for a beginner series. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to put out because there's not there's there's some beginner series out there, but a lot of them they I feel like they over technical they make it too technical and they don't simplify it down enough. So I, I think that I might have a good way to create the at least uh, script it up a little bit and then. Get, get it to work but i i always look at it this way right especially for things that are online it the number one thing is consistency and the knowledge you you have way more not like you it's like if you look at the whole population of people you're like in this small little chunk <laughs> of people who have this knowledge that you could share with others that they would find valuable and then right. on top of that what is the percentage of that small little chunk of people who have the knowledge who then also have the wherewithal to put the consistency forward to build out the content library that's large enough that and consistent enough where people who are into chess know that it's coming. I think as long as you figured out a way to build a regimen around giving fresh information on a weekly basis, you've got the knowledge level and it could be another way for you to sharpen your skills too, because you'd be kind of going back through some of that nuance and looking at a third, third way and a third view. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's valuable feedback. Okay, I should I, coach. You could, you're coaching me now. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that. I needed to hear that. No, uh, that's uh, I, I definitely want to, I put a few videos out a while ago in that and I knew that it, it wasn't the quality that I wanted. I needed to get the right equipment and now I'm ready to do, to take that next step, especially if I'm going to be virtually coaching all fall this semester we're, we're ready to do our coaches training in the coming weeks to get ready for our to to make sure we roll this out smoothly. Yeah. Because sort of we got we got cut off in March when COVID when they closed the schools and everything. It was like, oh, you know, you're on PTO and we're gonna do a coaches tourney on Fridays and like, mm-hmm. sorry, like you know this nothing we can do. And now we're gonna really go all in. We're gonna be using Zoom, I think, and just. Uh, yeah, after th- after school sessions and maybe private sessions and so I'm, I'm i'm i love it you know and it i've sort of started to just take different contract type work that's flexible in the meantime so that i can make it a priority you know and that's that's what it is you know if you want to build a skill you got to make it a priority if you want to be a good athlete or a good fitness person or you have a good diet whatever it is if you make it that priority will and I'm trying to prioritize chess coaching for now because I think it's just something that has helped me stay on track towards being unique, being the best that I can be. Is there a lot of talk about the the rule of 10,000 hours in chess? I I like it. I, I, I've applied it to chess or I've thought of or the, the, well, so uh, I used to think of it as the 10,000 hours until Naval corrected me. I don't know if you're familiar with Naval. He's a, great guy on Twitter and uh but on 10 Paris but uh he uh he says it's 10,000 iterations so you have to do 10,000 repetitions of something 10,000 
you know, iterations. Sometimes it's hours because an iterate a thing a task might be an hour, but, okay. but yeah, ten thousand iterations. And I've tried to apply that to my chess game. I've done ten thousand blitz games. I'm trying to do ten thousand bullet games. I've done ten thousand uh, the of the daily puzzles or the morning. You know, the like five a day for like mm-hmm. I guess five years now or so or whatever. And but yeah, I I think it's I think it's something that you build muscle memory and I definitely have major muscle memory in my chess games. You know, if I see a position that's familiar, I, I can definitely recognize it. And I think that's from the 10,000 iterations. I don't think I had that. It's not like I was born with all these chess games in my mind. It's like repeating it over and over again. You, you recognize patterns. So yeah. I think it's like a drummer or a musician you know, like a drummer probably recognizes as many patterns as a chess master. Yeah. Like they just can hear all the beats, you know, like there's so many, uh, you know, things like that. Do you remember um, the game 24? Uh, yeah. It was like, a, it was like a math game kind of. Yeah. Yeah. There was, they used to have 24 challenge where. Yeah. There was a contest after school and stuff that kids yeah. would get into. Yeah, I didn't, I, I played it a little bit, not a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually I graduated with a kid. His, um, I think his name's Rob Rob Gleason, and he was unreal, absolutely yeah. unbelievable at this game. And it was sponsored by Jeopardy or Alex Trebet somehow, some way was like involved with it, like the host of this twenty four challenge. And I remember Rob made it to this stage of the event that Robert or that Alex Trebet was involved, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was like. The kid could look at, they'd put a card down. He would just like tap it and know it, it was, a, it was a square and it had four numbers Yeah, and like you had to use all four numbers and you could had to like be able to multiply, divide, add, subtract at different points and create your own equation somehow to get the answer to be 24, but you had to walk through the yeah. steps. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly how it went. Yeah. Those, those, those people who are good at that. I remember watching really fast people at it i think yeah on tv or something they they brought all these people on tv for national yeah or something yeah Yeah, rob was rob was unreal and i was like i was like decent i was decent enough to like be able to be involved in competing with people and i was like the worst at one as one of them so you know what i mean it was like Mm -hmm. oh i have this yeah i'm included on in like the 24 after school club and i was like (laughs) the worst one on the team hey participation counts in that one i think <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah that's that's uh i i kind of remember being in a group and where the person there's a person in my group that could just get it so much faster where it wasn't even fun to play anymore because they were like they would by the time they would look at it they're like you already have it and i'd just be so frustrated i used yeah. to have a lot of quit in me yeah he, he'd tap he'd be like six times four is 24 times one is 24 divided by two is 12 times two is 24. Like, yeah. it, but it'd be so quick. Yeah. I'd be like, I didn't even, I didn't even see the card. I didn't even get any of the numbers yet. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. We, there was all kinds of cool shit like that in school. There's the geography B. Geography B. I did good on that in like fourth or fifth grade. I think I, I, I made it maybe to a finals or something like that. Yeah. I liked geography B. I never did. A, I don't think I ever did a real spelling bee. But yeah, I was horrible. I still can't spell worth shit. <laughs> yeah, autocorrect screws me up all the yeah. time. And oh I, man, I, it's, I, it's the worst. I, I, it does, I don't even know what I was trying to say. 
I spend half of my day each and every day going back over conversations and apologizing or correcting what I've said too, because I'll speak to text when I'm driving or when I'm busy with something, or even just like going too fast when I'm texting things out. And then I won't get a response and I'll go back and look at what I said. And it won't be anything at all that makes any sense or remnants of what I was trying to communicate to that person. So. <laughs> yep, that's that sounds about. Uh, yeah, I know I don't use the voice feature because I've, I'm afraid that would I mumble too much, and I always have a mask in front of my face now when I'm out and about. So I'm like mumbling into a mask. I hate it. Yeah. How is Austin? Oh, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I've you know, it's we shot. I mean, it was really weird. You know, to go from a city that's so centered around people getting together, people going out, whether you're going to see a local musician or whether you're going to see a big show that's touring through or whatever. I mean, just shut down completely. It was just weird. I've been doing delivery service on the side for a while now. I had started doing that like last fall. So I was already in that routine. So it was kind of natural for me to just keep rolling with that. And I've, you know, been staying busy with as many deliveries as I like to do. And all the restaurants have, pretty much transition to that yeah. uh, scheme, you know, so it's really easy to, for everyone to get takeout and, you know, a lot of people order. So it's pretty consistent in that regard, but it's weird, you know, it's just that, you know, you drive downtown and it's like boarded up still and it's it will remain that way. Yeah. It's a shame. A it's a shame. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, there's just so much, so many cool places in Austin. I really love the city and it, and it, and I think it'll, you know, it's just got it's got to run its course, and we as a people are going to have to grow to this, to understanding, to trusting a little bit more. I think, you know, as a society, we need to just, you know, there's there's sort of like we're divided over this the information, and we don't want to trust anything. It's like no matter what, it's great. It's like, we, we're good versus good right now. We need to, like, no one's evil out there. We don't have it. Yes. There's not a boogeyman. Like, it's really not. Like, you know, UFO this and, uh, you know, conspiracy that and, like, everything. It's like, most most of the time, it's just, like, a neighbor and a neighbor trying to make sure that, like, they're having dinner and, like, yeah. making sure that everybody's happy. Like, well, it's, Having the conversations is where it starts. You know, I, I get so upset because I see people that don't want to have the conversation. You know, they, people just want to say how they think it is and they want to shut out the opinions of others, you know, whoever's fault that you want to say it is, it doesn't matter where, where we are, we are where we are. And we've been divided over so many different things that it's like right now, we're all in this together. We're all humans. We're all susceptible. I don't, I haven't seen a statistic that says that the coronavirus has been affecting Republicans or Democrats any more or less than the other, that it's affecting people and it's affecting people who a aren't healthy previously. It's affecting people who from what the statistics look like have a deficient level of vitamin D, which the number one way that you get vitamin D is by going outside into the sunlight. So you know, and I think there was also studies that said that the virus was killed by ultraviolet light, which again, you know, getting yourself outside, mm-hmm. I think, you know, but anybody that's going to be an asshole and perpetuate things that aren't true or, you know, all oh, my rights here, are rights. I think we do have to be careful about our rights. You know, I think 
without a doubt, we got to be really careful about a, when people get something from you, they don't want to typically give it back. And I've heard a couple of people talking about politicians who have said, you know, you'll get your rights back when you all start, you know, thinking about one another, we all start doing this or that. And it's kind of like, well, Hey, I didn't know you had the ability to take my rights in the first place. So I think we have to be careful there. But at the end of the day, there should just be an overwhelming sense of community where we want to just take whatever steps are possible so that we all can get through this. And so that life gets back to normal so that those businesses open up where people can go and sit down and congregate and enjoy each other's company. And Mm -hmm. where I can go back and and watch some live music down on sixth, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's in an, in a sense to me, it's, it's almost feels like belittling that the government has to treat us in a, like almost in a childish way to with these restrictions. It's like, why can't they just say, guys, practice extremely good hygiene right now and like yeah but like that could be a better narrative to me it's more positive narrative across the board and and you know if don't go out if you don't have to go out and if you you know if you feel sick don't be extra extra careful right now because this is not just the normal here's why chad because it's not you can't politicize something like that you can't when you make something about personal responsibility then it's it's on the people and that's how it should be it should be on each and every one of us to understand the facts, the real facts, you know, what's the, what are the risks? Who's at risk? How do you protect yourself? How do you protect your neighbor? Mm-hmm. And we should all just because we are Americans and brothers and sisters, we should all be looking out for each other and trying to do the right thing. But instead, it's we're going to draw a line here and, and, and create a divisive action that puts people on one side of the argument or the other. And that's what we've been focused on. And whether it is to distract us from things or, you know, whether, you know, because of an election, it's, it's because of everything. I don't think it's any one individual thing. I think there's a lot of people in this country and everybody's got motives and reasons and everybody well, now also has a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram right. to share their opinion. And we're on whether it's overload or something, you know, and a lot of yeah. us, you know, so it's like, it's, it's night it's exhausting you know and i think that's i think what most people can just relate to the most is like man when is when can when's the news gonna take a day off like and it's like yeah. it hasn't in in, in years yep. you know that's not gonna i just so uh, we we need to do we need to adapt and that's why i think people there's a lot of people in the world right now that are trying to emerge as people who are like you know guys we can slow down a little bit we need to pay attention to this and that and the other and and, you know if you listen closely on joe rogan and closely on the different just information spreaders online tim ferris is one of my favorites all these people that are spreading this kind of wisdom of like how to be successful without being an arrogant asshole and without hurting other people without just how do you do it mindfully yeah you know, these, all these different principles are what we need to focus on more than whether or not, you know, this person was, had the right opinion about that political statement or this or that. I mean, we need to make sure we need to hold our politicians accountable, but we also can, you can get caught in private. There's a private realm too. uh, That's even more powerful than this whole public politician, political solution. Like, there's a lot that we all can do just by working hard and trying to have a passion and, and 
being creative and the world will adapt to us. Yeah. Oh, way more will get done. If everybody took the energy that they take and put it outward and they took it and they put it inward and they, they improved themselves and they, they tried to actually do something to make a difference as opposed to speak about something. It's I'm not against speak, look, speak up. You see something that's wrong. We should speak up. But I think if everybody did something, doing things make the biggest amount of change. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of doing to be done. There's like, uh, you talk about Jocko a lot. Uh, and he's one of my favorites. There's Goggins, yeah. these guys that are coming out to, to motivate some people, but then we have Gary V we got, he's, he's awesome. And, and, you know, all these, these people, there's a, there's this whole world of meaning wave that's yeah. coming out that, that these, these people are, their, their words are being infused with music. And it's like this new atmosphere of, hopefulness there's an elon musk meaning wave album shout out akira the don like these guys all uh are, are putting their words out there to influence a new generation we, so we're going to wake up a year from now and we're going to be seeing new entrepreneurs who are growing right now these are people who are not who, who are already they're working they're, they're putting aside the bs that that a lot of us are getting distracted by that's on twitter that's mm -hmm. common on facebook that's these distractions, I mean, COVID is worth concern, concerning yourself with, but it's not worth distracting from what your life's path was. Yeah. It's not worth, you know, if it disrupted what your business is doing, adapt your business to COVID and just keep rolling because it's I, the fastest that adapts to the change that's successful. It's not, you know, getting stuck in a rut. Yeah, you know, I like, feel bad. There's going to be a lot of, we got to jump on it. There's going to be a lot of people that wake up when this is all said and done and they're going to be like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, and, and, and then they'll be bitter. They'll be bitter in a, in a year from now because they didn't take this time to take advantage of opportunity because there's yeah. opportunity wherever there's chaos and uprising and, and change. There's always opportunity. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. It comes from that chaos. You know, when, when there's if you can take chaos and make it into order. Yeah. And then and then share it with other people like that's that's value that that's that's where we come up with our our value. That's and that's what good businesses do. And if your business is a restaurant, that's a huge value. Think about the value you create in your community. But, yeah. you know, that's just the one example. There's a million examples of businesses that create value. And I hope to have coaching be a business that I can make value out of. Yeah. I mean, I already have a great network that I'm involved with. You know the night school of austin and the we're connected to a bunch of different other night schools across the country and we're going to have more in new cities every year and so hopefully elementary schools pick up more coaching uh programs you yeah. know that's kind of an interesting new concept that i've seen people talking about is think about a, a teacher right now right who makes i don't i don't know what a teacher's salary is but i don't think it's a whole lot per year in America. And, you know, they have large class sizes. In some cases, they're in poor school districts and poor schools that don't get a lot of support. They don't get supplies. They don't get, you know, a whole lot of uh, additional assistance in curriculum or anything of that nature. What if some of these people decided to take on 10 or 15 kids and teach them, whether it's virtually, probably would need to be virtually, but to teach them for a fee, if you're a good, and think about it, right? If you're a good teacher and you're worth your shit, 
you, I think you could probably make three or four times the amount of money that you're making currently. You're going to have a smaller class of people who actually want to learn because they're a paying customer and, and make it into an entrepreneurial type of a situation and a business model that, I mean, I don't, I don't think that we may not see the traditional schooling if this continues to last, because I don't know what it's like in, in Texas, but here in Pennsylvania, our school district has the option. You can decide to go or you can stay and go virtual for this upcoming school year. And if it doesn't get better, will school ever be, I don't think school will ever be the same. Yeah. I think we're going to see it. I think, I think we're seeing, uh, yeah, this is like a catalyst or whatever, something that accelerates change right now is what we're seeing. And I think we're, that is one that we might see where I think we're on the edge of like where we break apart. What was school all about? And, and we can sort of take the education and say, how much education did you get in school? First, how much social time did you get in school? If we can put the education time here online and we'll put the social time here in extracurriculars, we might see that be more distinct as opposed to just lumping it all together and calling it school. Yep. It might be, you know, we have more specialized teachers who get a group together in their community and these kids go take a class from 10 o'clock till two o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever. And then the other days they do sort of a, YMCA type social program where they're getting outside, they're getting activity and mm -hmm. they have different learning real world skills. Yeah. Maybe they'll do a coding program. Maybe some kids yeah. will do a, you know, a, a wood shop and that's where you do your tech ed programs and things like that. Yeah. You know, where you could have those extracurricular type classes and, and that and can pull in more people in the community who would rather, who would be willing to teach if it's not a full-time childcare. Right. Like, I think some of it is that we've sort of, we, we get used to childcare, we get, we give our kids childcare and then we send them to school and then school like becomes childcare in a way. And yeah. I think if we differentiate that and we just be plain about it, be like, this is childcare, this is education and this is extracurricular. You know, when we start to send our kids to upper level high schools and colleges, I mean, we're building out this on fair advantage some or or maybe not maybe it's maybe it's not an unfair advantage maybe we need people to just all have that opportunity it, maybe we need to mix mix these ideas together later in life maybe we need to have these different paths through for our youth to find out which is the best way to to do it maybe it's just like an experimental phase where we have to have some people go real fast and some people take the old rate but it doesn't seem fair yeah and that's a tough one right yeah. like like to give, sometimes I think you give kids a choice. Do you, do you, how much, how much of the process do you want them to have the ability to influence? But I do think not every child's going to learn the same. Everybody's a different person. You know, I, there's a quote that I saw that was like, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it would fail. Right. Yeah. right? But you judge it on how it's going to swim. And I don't think that our, our current education and look, I'm not trying to like, this isn't me trying to like blast education, but I don't think that the mass focus of education really takes into account how different we are as individuals and how the re the actual return on investment would be so much higher if, because yeah. if, if there was more effort and I think that it sometimes is looked just as a black and white, what does it cost? 
And what will that mean next year? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to our budget? And I, and I've, I've been able to see, actually, there's some school districts that aren't like that. They do look at, you know, this is a long game that we want to play, but I don't, I think some are forced because of financial reasons and economic reasons in the areas that they're in or lack of funding from a state or whatever the thousand different possibilities are, right. That they're forced to have to not do necessarily the best that they could. Yeah. They just have to get, you know, enough people there to make sure that everything runs, but they're, you know, that they don't get to optimize. They don't get to take that where other schools have been optimizing and they've been saving up for the specialists to be able to give us, you know, be in and be a special teacher or however they, that, that manifests itself. But yeah, I, but I think knowledge also matriculates through society. So if we give as many kids a great education, they'll, they'll give it to their peers yep. and people are going to podcast like you and I are people are going to, we're going to continue this trend where we just spread the knowledge across all aspects. And we're, you know, it's like, there used to be the like I feel like a lot of people who are afraid are are afraid to speak up because it's like they don't think that they have an authentic experience to talk about. But I think everyone actually has a oh, much man. more authentic experience to talk about and like they're not they're they're like stuck in this high school like, oh I'm I listened to this person and that person and that person and I'm plagiarizing them and it's like, no, you're you're putting the pieces together and every person that's consumed anything on the internet is it has consumed a different experience than other people who yeah. consumed. And we got, we're all we gotta, made up of everything we that we consume. It up. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta, no, without a doubt. Yeah. I see people that kind of, that are critical of stuff like that, man, that it makes me feel bad for them because to your point, I'm like, you have so much to share. You don't even, you must not value your own experiences if you look at others and don't value theirs because I agree, man. Every it's interesting. You start talking with folks and the deeper you get, the you know, more you understand. I've I've had some of the best conversations even with people who I initially thought that I didn't agree with on on a number of things, but because I was willing to hear them out and they were willing to hear me out, sure. came away from that actually being like, wow, we actually agree on like almost everything. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much agreement out there and it's like we're yeah we're tribal human beings we're all we're all finding our tribe or or, or our group out here but all of these different tribes are kind of going the same direction and we're all just you know it's like who's going to have the best art at the end that's the contest it's not anything else i mean uh, that's how i would like to shift the narrative if i can if anyone wants to change their mind it's like if you're at war be at war to make the best art you know, like whatever your art form is that you can come up with, make the best at it, be the best artist of whatever your thing is. And like, let that drive you. And, and you're going to find your tribe. Like you're, they're going to be going right next to you. Eventually it, you just don't get distracted by people going, you know, if, if you feel like you're going, uh, there's like that great picture where like the guys like going, just going with the crowd to go with the crowd. Like yeah. don't do that either. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying to just, you know, follow the crowd, but, if you feel like you're in the right place at the right time, you probably are, you know, and, yep. and that's, yeah, that's a really, that's really good advice. Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely right because that you have to, you, you, you know, in your gut, if you're, if you're truly believing about something. And I think 
what, at least what I do, maybe I, maybe I'm wrong in this is just always be ruthlessly introspective. I, I'll, I'll find who, what I think is my direction and my, my quote unquote crowd. I think we do. Cause to your point, we're tribal, but I never let myself settle and believe that just because today I agree with the current state of ideas or beliefs that that means by default, I will forever. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's the biggest problem right now is people get married to their ideas or however you want to put that, but you have to constantly examine your beliefs and, and challenge them, challenge yourself. Why do I think this way? Why, why, why do I have that opinion? And then, you know, I think as you get older and wiser, you're going to more often find yourself saying, well, I've proven myself right. But yeah. I don't think you'll ever get to a point where you won't surprise yourself every once in a while and say, well, you know what? I challenged it with an opposing viewpoint. And I actually found that there were some holes in my argument. And I'm going to look at this differently now. And that's only going to better you as a person, an individual, and whoever else you touch as an individual and share knowledge with as an individual. Yeah, that, that's, that's hugely important. That's what I, you know, I strive to do that. And I'm, you know, I, I, I don't do, I, you know, I, I try to clear my mind of, of preconceived notions, especially when I'm talking to new people so that I can take in their ideas as much as possible. And I think that by doing that, you know, you, you say, you stay refreshed, you stay, uh, you know, out of those ruts, you let yourself be that new person and let, let yourself uh, be just part of your environment and yeah. stay, stay steady, you know, yeah. if you can. As yeah, long and as and I think it comes with just being confident. If you're confident in your own beliefs, then you're not unwilling to challenge them or to examine new ways of thinking. You know, I think, I think that's where people need to just, if you've got ideas and thoughts, you educate yourself on them, look into them, build your confidence level on them so that when you do find yourself across from an opposing viewpoint, you don't find yourself drawing a wall or just not wanting to have the conversation. Cause I think that's what it is more often than not is people aren't confident in their own understanding of, of things in a lot of cases, not, not that they don't understand it, but they're not confident enough to have a informed conversation with somebody who differs on an opinion. And if we all kind of do ourselves a little bit better and do some due diligence, yeah. that I think will greatly improve our opportunities to have peaceful conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. And that's, it's the beauty of the internet. I think the cream rises to the crop to the top there. And like, there's a lot of junk on the internet, but if you can find the people, you know, ignore this, the, the BS. I mean, you just have to trust yourself. If it's out, you know, like trust your instincts. And if someone's telling you something that sounds like you should look into it, then do it. You know, that, that, that person is not trying to disrespect your mind by saying mm-hmm. they believe something different with you. They're just trying to have everyone be on the same page. I think most of us just want us want, want to be like, I don't, I'm not super special. When I read something, I read it the same way you read it. And, yeah. and when I pick up a book or if I give a book to someone else, I expect that like, you know, they might have a different takeaway and, and, and I might have to be shocked at that, that they took, they didn't like my recommendation maybe, you know, and like, that's something that like, I'm like willing to accept because I want, I, I, the only reason I would share it with you is actually, I want you to make an honest, give me honest opinion on what you think really. 
So that, that's, that's the beauty of our world. We should sometimes disagree because that can bring us to an even better truth. That's yeah. what chess, I mean, to bring it back to chess, what we were here for, I mean, you're, that's what you're doing across the board with your opponent. You're saying, I think I'm good here and safe and prepared for anything that you have at me. And they come back and they say, I'm prepared for anything you throw at me. And, and you mm-hmm. have this silent telepathic conversation with the opponent across from you until one of you can attack the king and the king can't move anywhere. And uh, it's, it's mathematical, but it, there's beauty to it. And, you know, it, 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 it all can be a little dance towards equilibrium sometimes. And that's what the grandmasters play for. And that's why some people are like, it's boring. It's everything's a draw. But their draws because they're seeing beautiful combinations that they're ignoring that they know are risky. And so I it like to play risky. It sounds a lot like jujitsu. Kind of, yeah, I think so. I, I think jujitsu is like an art. That's where you like submissions, right? Or, or yep. things like that. Yep. Gra- submission grappling. Yeah. Yeah, there's a quote. There's a quote in jujitsu that's uh, I move, then you move, then I move, and we do that forever until somebody loses. And it's just a, tra- it's just a, a game of positions, right? Yeah definitely that's 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 exactly that's a really great quote wow so where can some like myself you mentioned a couple of websites earlier but if i wanted to get myself more into chess as a way to sharpen my mind and just you know find a a new another new passion to take on and consume hours of my day where would i go for like the best beginner place to kind of gain knowledge and play with others um so if you just want i would i would do uh, lee chess has a learning feature and i actually have a blog post up on my blog coffeefordessert.com and that has a bunch of links to chess it's called the links to chess greatness so you can check out that blog post if you want direct links and we can maybe link it if there's show, show notes or anything for here mm-hmm. uh, but but that would that has a lot of links to resources that are on chess.com and Lee Chess. So chess.com is just as simple as it sounds and there's great writers on there, but there's, it can be overwhelming there. So I think Lee Chess has the better learning feature. So I would go to leechess.org slash learn uh, and they have a bunch of puzzlers to get you back into this up to speed, goes through some of the basics and then both of those communities are fairly active. You can get a game any time of day or night uh, against someone random across the globe what's uh and what's the name of your blog my blog is coffeefordessert.com and uh has all my links to my twitter instagram uh, sometimes i go live on twitch i'm trying to do that a little bit more often uh just sometimes i have connection issues so it's frustrating but once i get that real straightened out i'll be regular on twitch but uh you can follow me on at at 11 bros that's one one b r o s e that's on instagram and uh on twitter i have at sustainable of that's my handle there so uh but that's all on my blog too and uh yeah i, I thanks i really appreciate you definitely we need to send you some some action coffee if you're oh, yeah it's right i need to load up it looks good I what, see do you, what do you drink do you drink uh medium roast dark roast uh, usually like a dark roast or a medium roast, but yeah, okay. I, I, yeah. Well, I'll send you both. You, um, what do you, do you take it in a K cup ground whole bean? 
I usually I usually do whole beans and I have a grinder that we okay that I, that I usually I'll send you a bag of each a awesome. bag of whole beans of each yeah try it out let us know how it is I can't wait I, I'll I'll definitely be look forward to that awesome man well I I appreciated a ton you joined and you gave me a lot to think about I I'm excited Good. to go back through and edit this and you know listen through I listened through all the podcasts afterwards and uh, mm. I, this will be one I think that I'll be sitting around with a pen and paper jotting some stuff down. So I do appreciate it a ton, man. And hopefully we come back and have another conversation. I know you're big into philosophy and yeah, other cool sure. stuff. So we can, we can shift things up the next time we have a, a conversation. Yeah, I'm, but. I'm open to all that. And, uh, yeah. I've been listening to some of your other guests and you, man, you have some, some great, great topics you've gotten into that we didn't even touch. So I can't wait to maybe come back and have a group chat or something. Who knows? Certainly. No, I appreciate it, buddy. I'll talk Sweet. to you soon. All right. Peace.